thank you for being here this morning. We're gonna talk about uh, living in the spirit. Uh, we've been in it for a couple of weeks. We're gonna move ahead into a topic that we are titling Bold in the Spirit. We're gonna take a brief look at chapter three of Acts and a little bit of four. Before we do, let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your word. Jesus, you are that word. So we thank you that when we read this, we are reading you. You are coming to us to feed us, to teach us, show us the way in which we should go. So we do pray for boldness, but only as you give it to us. Would you open our hearts to your word today, this day, in these moments? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to continue in our journey through the adventures of the apostles, the followers of Jesus, and the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, following the resurrection, and now following the ascension into heaven. That's all very exciting stuff. There's been some danger along the way as well, but in contrast with the events of Holy Week, once you get past Palm Sunday, those are pretty dark days in the lives of the followers of Christ. But in contrast to that now, they've had some, some time of excitement, um, a joyous time for the followers of Jesus as they've met with him. They watched him leave. He's no longer with them physically. They watched him rise, the ascension, go up into heaven, but they're not discouraged. They are excited to go out now in the Spirit of God and follow his instructions and direction. He's not with them in person, but his Holy Spirit certainly is. We're going to pick up the story at Acts 3, verse 1, for an illustration of what's happening. I'll read for you. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to, re to receive alms. Please. And Peter directed his gaze at him. I love scripture. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he, the lame man, fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. You remember the old chorus? Not a lot of amens this morning, but okay. I'm going to assume some of you remember the old chorus. All right. And all the people saw, saw him walking, and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder 
and amazement at what had happened to him. You'd think there'd be a citywide celebration, and there almost was. It was getting real close, but the struggle is on the way. There's some challenge coming to the followers of Jesus, and it starts right after Peter gives a wonderfully powerful sermon on what God has done in and through this miraculous healing. All done in the name of Jesus. You can read more about that in Acts 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Keep reading. And remember, this is a letter. This is Luke's recording of the stories that he's sending on to his friend Theophilus. So read it that way. Read it out loud. Read it as if it was addressed right to you. Because it kind of is. John Stott, in his wonderful commentary on Acts, says this about this part of Scripture. Uh, Referring to Peter and his uh, preaching, he says, This testimony about Jesus, Jesus as rejected by men as the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy, as demanding repentance and promising blessing, and as the author and giver of life, physically to the healed cripple, and spiritually to those who believe, aroused, all that wonderful stuff, aroused the indignation and antagonism of the authorities. The devil cannot endure the exaltation of Jesus. So here it is. So he stirred up the Sanhedrin to persecute the apostles. And there he is, the evil one at work. Satan, again. This is what he does. This is his work in the hearts of some who seek their own place above that of God in their life. Their own personal power. They'd rather have that than the riches of God's presence. So this is the evil one's MO. The Sadducees are a part of the ruling body there in Jerusalem called the Sanhedrin. There were other parts, other people, Pharisees, scribes, the captain of the temple, soldiers, captain of the guard in the temple. Other people are involved in the Sanhedrin, but the Sadducees, a powerful ruling class, very wealthy people, very proud of themselves, They did not believe in resurrection and they did not believe in life after death. No eternal life. So you can see where they might argue and clash even with Pharisees and teachers of the law. But now Satan is working, stirring their hearts to work against the message of the apostle. You watch how this dark presence of the evil one goes to work in them immediately after the blessing of healing and Peter's life-changing message of salvation. Now we'll turn to chapter 4 and start at verse 1. As, what does it say here? As they were speaking, as Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. 
And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Well, we have rules about working at night, so we can't do that. We'll keep them overnight in jail. (laughs) Follow their, their rules and ignore the message. But many of those who had heard, Peter and John and the others, many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. Remember, Luke is writing, Theophilus might know these people. He's certainly going to know who they are, but he's tying in the personalities as well with what's happening here. And when they had set them, Peter and John, in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Who gave you the right to do this? Who gave you the right to heal this man? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, uh, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, By him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name among given, (laughs) excuse me, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13, now when they, the Sadducees and the gang, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And then this, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I want to explore that some more. What does that look like? How could you tell that someone has been with Jesus? For another time. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign, (laughs) that a notable sign has been done. evident to everyone in the city. Evident to all the inhabitants. And we cannot, we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and, and charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right 
in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot not do this. We must testify to what we know and have heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. Now we went political. Because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old and for years had been laying on the steps of the temple, begging for alms, making a living, getting by. His friends would carry him, family members would lay him down, and now he could walk. And they knew him. And what could they say? Well, real quickly, and now I want to focus on the boldness part of all of this comes out of uh, verse 13. Those who had so meekly slipped away from Jesus, his own followers at his arrest and crucifixion, were now standing boldly in public proclaiming the wonders of God, the salvation of Jesus to all who would hear. Those who had at one time had fled and hidden themselves in that upper room and in many parts of the city, they they weren't gathering together, the disciples did. They fled. They're now out and about. They're out there in the city. They were in the spirit. So, I'll give you three. They're bold to believe. Remember the disciples in that locked room? They meet the post-grave Jesus, eat with him, touch him. They believe he's alive. They knew he had died and was buried. He's now alive. This is wonderful. Even the one that, that, that doubted the most now believes. Doubting Thomas. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet Believe. Well, they all believed because they had seen him. This is a word to us from Jesus. You're blessed if you believe. If you have faith in Christ today, you haven't seen him. Not this way. But we will one day. And you are blessed. It takes a little bit of boldness for that. And we'll pray for that today. That we would be bold to believe. Well, they are in Acts 4. They are bold to believe the Spirit, delivered faith, and their eyes are open to God at the work in their lives and in their world, and they're out sharing it. We too are called to bold believing. Living in step with the Spirit calls for that. They're also bold to witness. The disciples, now fresh in faith and strong in belief, are bold to share the story, to give testimony to it, to witness to Christ. No matter now what the cost, before they were afraid for their lives. Now they're afraid that they won't get the message out in time. Complete reversal. Peter and John are doing what disciples everywhere are called to do. You will be my witnesses to the world. For money? No. No. For healing? For testimony? 
for the display of power, for faith, for people to come to me? Yes, absolutely. They're unafraid now in their explanations of the power at work in them, the power that saves them from sin and offers grace and forgiveness from God. There is only one name given among men by which you can be saved. There's no holding back now. They believe and they give bold witness to the truth of Christ in the world and in their lives. And so now they are bold even to stay the course, to run their race. Hebrews 12:1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, lay, lay aside the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and, it is, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As awful as that was, the suffering, the beating, that awful trial, the mockery, and then the cross, he looked right past that. Jesus knew that glory was coming. And so this short period of time passes, and now glory and boldness. Those who first read these words from Hebrews certainly were bold to stay the course. Many of them died for their faith, disciples like Peter, James, Matthew, Thomas. Perhaps all except John, and his story is not an easy one either. Even Paul, the apostle, persecuted. But they did not turn back. They boldly ran the race marked out for them. And we too, today, all these years later, we are called to this. The words of the letter to the Hebrews are for us today. But why? Why is this? What's all this to do with us so long after this account of Peter and John? Here it is. Because absolutely nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. The evil one is still at work in the world. He's at work trying to work on all of us, all the time, influencing us to the dark side. The need is the same. Lives are still being broken by sin. Lives are still desperate for salvation, for peace, for comfort, for some hope. We have it. We have the answer. That need has not changed in the world. The solution remains the same. Grace, forgiveness, life, peace, they are found only in Christ Jesus. Salvation by no other name. 
So the Spirit calls us to believe and follow in faith. The Spirit empowers us to be the witnesses needed today, providing opportunity and the message. The Spirit gives us all that we need to stay the course, to run that race, to stand fast and firm in the truth of God's word. For us too. Here's some more good news. We don't do this alone. We're not off somewhere all by ourselves working on this. We believe and witness and run the race in the community of believers called the church. So I'll ask you, will you follow Jesus as Peter and John did? Will you believe? Will we believe in faith, receive the gift of God's forgiveness and grace and life? And then as God's believing people, Will we boldly go where so many have gone before? To be witnesses to this great life, it can be hard here. It's going to pass. There's coming a day. We look beyond this. We will endure this and step into glory I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I want a 25-year-old body without glasses and hearing aids and the threat of knee replacement and all of that. That's just triflings compared to what we will be released, released from in that day. But it is a promised day and we will run the race. Not to earn it, but to help others Receive it as well. Come on. Triumph, people. Let's be inviting other people into our fellowship so that we can share this good news with them. Our lives are now changed and shaped by the marks of Christ. Not an easy life, but it will be an eternal one. There's so much more here. Let's spend the rest of our days together exploring the Word of God. His life, this race, we can encourage one another in love to live in step with the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace to us, for this word, for this encouragement. I pray that you would bless us with it, refresh us, and take us from this place to be your servants in a world that needs this message I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.